It's Thursday, June 18th, 2020. I'm Stephen Fee, and this is The Pen Pod, a limited-run podcast from Pen America. On today's edition, a creative community struck by the virus, we talk to Vincent Bristow of Open Doors, an arts and justice collaborative in New York City that serves people who survived street violence. Then we listen in on a conversation about the meaning of truth between writers Alexis Okewo and Ishmael Bea. It's part of our World Voices Festival podcast, These Truths. I'm Stephen Fee, all that coming up on The Pen Pod. I'm joined now by Vincent Bristow, a member of the Open Doors Arts and Justice Initiative here in New York City. They work with people in long-term care facilities, many impacted by gun violence. They've also been seeing how New York's most vulnerable have been affected by the COVID-19 crisis. Vince, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about Open Doors and in particular, the people that you work with. Yeah, Open Doors is a arts and justice program that started over about two and a half years ago. It first started out of a, a, a work, a writing workshop. Then it evolved into us writing poetry. It consists of about seven people that use wheelchairs that was harmed by gun violence, or not everybody was harmed by gun violence, but everybody was infected by gun violence in some way. Mm-hmm. And we based on Roosevelt Island in the long-term care facility nursing home. And we do poetry. We go to talk to kids about guns and violence and the consequences of being in street life. It's what we have been doing for the past few years and writing poetry and performing it, and et cetera. Yeah. So, so you mentioned that you work in this facility on Roosevelt Island. I'm wondering how has the uh, virus impacted people who are there and who are generally in long-term care? And what are some of the, some of the challenges people there are facing right now? Uh, it impacted us in a big way. We actually lost one of our members to COVID and it just came in these hospitals and just spread it. Like on each unit is at least more than four cases on each unit and everybody is quarantined on on their several units and mm-hmm. for weeks we are like this and make six weeks I've been quarantined without going outside or anything. Yeah. I'm really sorry to hear about your loss. Um, you know, I wonder how you feel. I mean, you know, there, there's, there's loss for, for so many people right now. There's so many ways that this virus is impacting people in an unfair way, in an unjust way. What do you think the power of poetry can be right now to, to communicate with each other and to help survive? Well, basically, um, it helps us keep our mind all for what's just going on and you know keep us busy and it's how how we connect with each other by sharing our poetry and do you think a lot about um how how your work might be um you know how 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 you can uh, help people who are currently not getting the help and care that they need yeah definitely by speaking out speaking out, reaching out to the 
I would refer them to the higher power. If they don't listen, reach to the higher power that's higher than the higher power. And, you know, just use our voice to make things change. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit, you're, you're part of a collaborative called The Reality Poets. What is that all about? Well, that's what we call ourselves because uh, the, the poetry that we write is, is basically like reality, like what we're living and what we have lived, experience, lived experiences. Well, you know, we've talked to a lot of people on this podcast, a lot of writers who, who have said that, you know, writers and readers alike have turned to poetry right now. Why do you think it is that, that maybe people are reading poetry, um, especially right now? I don't know if I can give you a straight answer because honestly, like I didn't never think I would be writing poetry. I never thought because when you when you first think of poetry, you think you got to rhyme and and all this. But I I will believe that people is looking toward poetry because poetry can like words it can can change your mindset. Like it can it can help people, and I think. No, that's that's why a lot of people does it and reads it. Like, poetry is powerful. Uh, that's one thing I, I I realized. This is um one I recently wrote called "Confused and Confined." It's Corona, Corona. You had me confused and confined once again. Except this time, it's not a six by nine cell. You got the whole world going through hell. Not even discriminating. Attacking all races, even the rich white America. Who are you? Who sent you? Show your face. Is this another plan to break down America? 9-11 all over again times 10? Not wanting to see nobody win? Or is it just Trump's plan to make America great again? Now an introduction that leads into a hug or a kiss becomes a weapon of mass destruction? They say stay six feet apart, social distance yourself. But yet you still have thousands infected. The enemy is invisible and it seems like there's nowhere to hide. What's the real reason? Will we ever know the truth? Or years later will someone finally spill the juice? Corona, Corona, who birthed you? Were you airborne? Or were you just released out of hatred? Taking lives, setting them to that sacred place? before they can even imagine it will happen? Corona, Corona, you have me confused and confined once again. And thank you, Vince. Um, Vincent Bristow is a poet and part of the Open Doors Initiative here in New York. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. drop on a conversation about truth in literature between Alexis Okowo and Ishmael Bea, especially how it plays out in Bea's new book, Little Family. This book deals with, I think in a broader sense, the idea of what truth means to different people, particularly those who have no power or the least power in society. What are your thoughts on the idea of there being a singular truth or many truths and how that affects 
one based on the sort of power or status they have in society. As a king observer, and also I've lived through different cultures, different uh, parts of the world, is that the people who are in power would always try to hold on to a version of truth and try to impose that on the rest of the people that they probably are trying to subjugate because that's the only way you can impose truth on people. But uh, that being said, doesn't mean that people would buy into that idea of truth. So for me, when I was writing this book, one of the things I had in mind was how because these characters were trying to seek freedom, which meant that they were interested in the idea of justice and justice and truth, how do I give them agency so that they are actually themselves and they're able to arrive at their own various individual truths? When the novel starts, there's an invitation for even the reader to enter their world on their own terms. So they never give away their agency at all, which is their own truth. They tell you enough about themselves so you know who they are, but not too much. Uh, They let you see them, how they live today as a reflection of their past or the things they hold there. So in a way that itself is me trying to explain to you that each individual carries their own truth, their own version of truth, and nobody can tell anyone how to do that for them. They have to believe in what justice and injustice is for them. They have to agree how they want to live their lives. They don't have to be introduced through a kind of anthropological way where they're there and their voices are not heard. So you see them doing this kind of thing in, 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 in the narrative where they are themselves unapologetically. Even as a little family, they still have their own individuality, but they are together as well. What you've said so well is how this group, like people in real life, have to reinvent themselves continually and the the codes and standards by which they want to live, which I think is something that you've explored in both fiction and your nonfiction. With both of these mediums, you've really looked into how the most marginalized people struggle, how they live, how they find joy. And what do you think the role of fiction and nonfiction is in bringing the reader to greater understanding of the most marginalized? I think either medium offer different strength, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, but also uh, what they offer, I think, uh, if you are the kind of writer that I am, is to challenge that uh, way of accepting truth. For example, I started off writing nonfiction. My first book was a memoir. And that was a real struggle for me because I was writing it, living in the West, and the people who were receiving it, the reviewers and other people were Westerners, where there's a strong sort of push towards the singularity of truth, where if something happens, we all should agree on how it happens, and then that's that. If somebody else says different, they may be lying or something. So when I was writing that book, I really struggled with that because I grew up knowing that there are several truths in the oral tradition storytelling background that I have for the mere fact that when we all sit somewhere together and we talk about something, when we go back and try to remember them or think about them, the way we do is going to be very different. But the truth is we were all wherever that situation occurred because how we react, it's based on layers and layers of who we are. 
where we have been, the things that we've seen, how we absorb information. So it's not going to be that that other person is lying necessarily. So that is a rare struggle when you try to tell truth in nonfiction. But in fiction, because you don't have that uh, sort of uh, shackle to the singularity of truth, you're able to expand on the idea of that itself. So I love writing uh, fiction more because it gives me the freedom to show the, 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 the multidimensionality of characters, of African characters particularly, in this narrative, so that you see that they are truthful in all kinds of ways. <laughs> and they can also be wrong in all kinds of ways, but yet it is their truth. You can hear that whole conversation on our These Truths weekly podcast. Find all those episodes on pen.org. And that's our episode for Thursday, June 18th, 2020. Join us tomorrow for the Pen Pod. You can listen to all our episodes at pen.org. Follow us at Pen America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Sign up on our website for our daily Dare newsletter, where we track major stories about literature, free expression, and the news of the world. I'm Stephen Fee for Pen America. This is the Pen Pod. See you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.